Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Tell Great Stories. That's the podcast that looks back at some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. Well, today we're going to be talking about Antigone. Now, that was one of Unbound's co-produced shows. Antigone was produced in partnership with another theatre company, Benedict Productions, in September 2018. Seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> 2018! Oh 2018, no, I tell you not. So, as, you, as you've guessed... It's not just me doing the talking tonight. <laughs> Luckily, I have several other people with me and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So, right. So, hi there. I'm uh, Beatrice Benedict and I directed the show Antigone, which uh, premiered in 2018, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> hi, I am Katie Herbert and I played Antigone in 2018. Uh, um, my name's Chris Courtney, and I played Creon, King Creon. In 2018? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, weirdly. And I'm Gareth, and I played one of the chorus in Antigone in 2018. <clears throat> and can I just kind of slip in there? I'm proud to say that I was also in the chorus, along with Gareth and several others. Um, so, but, chorus aside... Let's talk to Katie, who happens to be the main title character. So for anyone who hasn't seen the show before, Katie, can you um, give us a kind of a brief summary of the plot? Okay, so Antigone is a continuation of the Oedipus story, really. So for people who aren't familiar with that, Oedipus accidentally married his own mother. Oh, dear. Um, Yes, had some children. <laughs> Everything was fine. Then they found out all hell broke loose. It was all horrible. Oh, so <laughs> he, he's dead. She's dead. Um, he had four children. They are now adopted by their uncle Creon, who is also now King Creon. So he's taken over the kingdom from Oedipus. The kingdom is also at war and Oedipus's two sons go and fight in the war. They both are killed. One of them is going to get a big hero's burial, you know, bells and whistles, all, you know, confetti, all this stuff. And the other one is viewed as a traitor because he uh, ran away from a fight. Creon hears this and decides very publicly to say that this son then should not be buried, which is quite a big thing for the Greeks. Uh, arguably a big thing for people now. I don't think people like just not burying people. Not <laughs> yeah. around. But it was very big for the Greeks, very, very big. Um, so when Oedipus's two daughters, who are still at home with Creon, hear about this, uh, one of them is beautiful, loyal, charming, intelligent, lovely to be around. Which character did you play then, Katie? The, I'm the other one, the other one, Jackie. Yeah. So awesome. the other one is Antigone. <laughs> And um, she decides that even though her uncle has very publicly stated that her brother should not be buried and he is the king, she is going to bury him anyway. So the play is about their two decisions, really, and the ramifications of those and how it affects everybody else. Hey, thanks for that, Katie. Um, so, Chris, you played King Creon. How, how do you see um, the play from your perspective or actually from the perspective of... King Creon, and how was it to play King Creon? 
from Creon's point of view, right, the, the whole play starts, it, it, it's, it's, it's very um, patriarchal, um, and it starts with Creon, who's the king, he's in charge of everything, and he's used to having his own way, and um, it's kind of like <laughs> everything unravels for him throughout the play. So he, his beginning speech is a very rousing one where Argos has been defeated, there's a big battle and Argos has been defeated, and he talks this very... Um, talks up a lot of imagery particularly about the battle and stuff and how uh, the um, how successful he was as a leader and how, how, how strong he is and, and he continues to be like that and he's very much a man of honour which is derived from the patriarchy I think particularly as well which means he struggles with Antigone's um, antics in terms of her <laughs> uh, uh, Antigone's uh, antics against Antigone, Antigone's <laughs> antics <which> she, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the musical version of Antigone. <laughs> More like the carry-on yeah, version, against... that one. <laughs> well, this is true. It, it, going against the grain of, um, of, of, uh, of what he considers to be the, the, you know, the true path of, of how people should conduct themselves. Uh, and as I say, I keep mentioning the patriarchy, but I think it's very much like that. But, it, but in terms of Creon, the, 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 the whole story as it moves on, everything unravels for him. Uh, and for some reason, I've, I've got... Um, the rise and fall of Reggie Perrin on my mind. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why that is. But it kind of unravels and unravels. You know, his first speech at the beginning of the play is he is extremely powerful and he's shouting and he's angry. He's angry with power and and, and success. And he's, he's, he's buoyed up with it all. And, and, it, and, it, and it travels from that to all the way through in, in different stages as things unravel. So an excellent part for an actor to play then, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, to, to, because you're going through a whole gamut of, of different things. And you have to, as, a, as an actor, you have to show the, 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 the gradual unravelling of his character. And, and as he gets beaten down from this first scene of the... The, 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 the you know the king yeah, of the universe yeah. as far as he's concerned to the last scene that he's in where he's like, where he's, he's he's holding a rag of his uh, of his dead son and he's like look what I've got basically this yeah I've I've got this left and that's it I've got nothing now and 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 as as you say it's great for an actor because because as an actor mm. um, you have to do you have to show that gradual change throughout the play so yeah. Thanks. That paints a quite a good picture. Um, so, B, what what was it about Antigone that appealed to you most as a director? And also, you went for Breck's version. What made you go for Breck's version? Do you think did it stand out above any other? Or well, um, that year I was uh, reading quite a lot of plays, um, and I was always fascinated by Breck's uh, work, um, but. I was looking for something different in terms of, uh, you know, just going away a bit from the standard, you know, Caucasian chalk circle or Mother Courage and her children, you know, all the big plays that are usually staged on, uh, you know, West End's um, stages and theatres. And I just came across Antigone and as I was reading it, the thing is, it's just like the entire story was unfolding in front of my eyes. I could see every part of it and how... I could see how how I wanted to stage it, how I wanted to like minimalize, uh, minimalize, minimize all the um, you know the um, props and everything, just like 
take it back, strip it back to the essential things of, of the play, which uh, both Katie and Chris have beautifully mentioned just uh, before. Um, I think what really interested me um, was this, uh, the fact that all the characters, like the main characters in this play, um, had their own truth, you know? Um, each one of those causes or what they believed in were legit, you know? So I, I was just intrigued. Okay, so if, uh, both, like, if all of them have their own truth and they're all legit, who are we going to actually side on? Which side are we going to go? You know, are we going to go with Creon's story uh, and his his beliefs, or are we going with Antigone's beliefs or Ismene's? You know, so it's that's that's what sort of um, attracted me to the uh, you know to this play, to the essence of this play, um, and I guess it's just you know as I was saying before, the thing that. It, it's just unfolding in front of your eyes. And I think it's sort of a, a sixth sense that just, you know, I guess some directors develop, you know. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's what sort of um, got my attention. And, um, yeah, being a, being a fan of Brecht's work, uh, it just fitted best um, for that year. Yeah, art oh, being a fan, so that came naturally. And and, and also, you played um, I did. Ismene in the... So you directed and starred. <laughs> yeah, she, she was the lovely, charming, talents. beautiful one, just so everyone knows. Just so everyone I, knows. I, I was. One. I actually oh, was. Right. And I'm not saying that with modesty, <laughs> because I am modest. We have a wonderful makeup department. Oh, I sorry, know, right? I know, right? I had a beautiful dress and fantastic hair. I yeah. know. I was charming. Oh, uh, well, stars in the chorus. Chorus were wearing, what was it, tablecloths and sheets? <laughs> but it looked no. really dramatic. It made exactly. the effect. Yeah. Um, so um, going to the rehearsal uh, process, it's like um, the Greek tragedy and um, the chorus is... I've mentioned the chorus before, is powerful and it's a dramatic device. So what did you have to consider and was there any special process that you used in order to get the continu continuity of the chorus? And, you know, because we all had to speak in unison, etc. Um, so over to you, B. So directing the actors in the chorus, what did you consider? Um, so... With the chorus, um, what attracted me to that part and why I've decided to have several people playing the chorus, because I could have just easily gone to the easy route down, you know, just have a f one or two people doing it, you know, but instead I've just chosen to go with ten. <laughs> so um, I, I just wanted to have a character which was represented by several people or more people because I was looking at it as the voice of everyone. You know, it's it, it's it's the chorus or an ensemble in any theater play is such an is such an easy instrument to use. You know, to to help the public, uh, the audience members, to you know, in certain at certain uh, times to recognize themselves as part of the uh, of the many. You know, as part of the play to get them closer to the characters. It's not as you know as separate from. Uh, you know the people who are on stage uh, and the people who are watching it. So it's it's definitely I definitely went for you know the breaking the fourth wall. And what I really particularly loved about this was that I instructed my my um, cast to 
also go into the public, you know, and there were several scenes where the chorus were delivering their uh, lines um, in the public, you know, looking at the public. So it made it more real for the public Trying to make well. them feel as though they were the joining in the voice of the chorus, they Precisely. were the voice of the people. Precisely, precisely. And I think like there were like definitely, um, so actually what I wanted to do is just to show that it's sort of a mirror towards, uh, to them, to the, to the public itself. I mean, uh, showing that there, there might not be any different from the people on stage, you know, that they might be at some, t at some points, they might be just um, part of, uh, on the side of the villain or on the side of the good guys or on the side of the anti-heroes. So uh, it's so easy to manipulate the masses, you know, that's sort of what I wanted to show. And uh, it came across really well uh, uh, in some moments in Antigone because there were parts where the chorus definitely sided with Creon or uh, with Antigone or they were neutral, you know? And it's mm. just so easy. It's so easy to manipulate people and the public's perception of, of good and evil uh, through this through this um, instrument. And why I've, yeah, and why I've used, I mean, uh, we had we have uh, we had actors in the cast who are at the moment you know emerging uh, professional actors or have uh, are trying to uh, embrace this this career and there were actors who are doing it because of the passion and the hobby for for the theater art form so definitely there was a balance to ha that has had to be struck in order to get everyone on the same page. But I, I was so fascinated to see what we've, what we together have achieved to do. You know, it was literally a, a tour de force on everyone's side. So, uh, and we managed to deliver, in my opinion, what what the vision of the play uh, was all about. Oh yeah, I think there's, I think there's plenty that would, um, that would agree with you. Um, so Gareth, you were part of the chorus as well. What? Um... What did you think, um, as, you know, talking to what B has just said about the chorus, um, how manipulating the people, how did you feel about it? Well, I actually um, sort of really was fascinated the moment B introduced the idea that we were doing Antigone and she was actually going with the sort of proper Greek chorus of the, you know, large numbers of people all speaking in unison, all with heavily choreographed movement. And, yeah, my, my initial thought was, wow, that's daring. But then the second thought mm. is... If anyone's going to manage that, it's going to be B because she is just fantastic at that kind of thing. Mm. So I was so ecstatic that we were doing it because I, I really love the idea of it and that it was B directing it. So you kind of knew, even though it was really difficult, it was going to come across really well. That was you know, really good to hear, but also very intimidating because the level of precision that you need to do that kind of chorus was just you know orders of magnitude different from what you normally have to do you have to be word perfect because if one of you goes wrong it throws you all off and I remember Jackie because obviously you were in the chorus as well yeah and I remember when we were rehearsing it we um had that um that sort of line run over at your house and we're <laughs> oh, just sort yeah. of getting getting everyone around and getting us around the table and I think just for sort of the first couple of lines or something. We just drilled it and drilled it and drilled it. Um, but just fantastic to do. And I, I'm sure... You... I might, yeah, I'd actually forgotten about that, Gareth. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And we just really went for it, didn't we? Over and over and over again so that we were all talking in unison. And I, it really helped. Um, it was a lot of hard work, but I have to say, what an experience. I've never experienced anything like that before. And 
um yeah it's excellent like you say B's got such good vision um I've since found out with other productions that she's done as well isn't it wasn't just Antigone um that it the simplicity of Antigone of Antigone made it dramatic and striking and like you say, the fear of being in the audience, in amongst the audience and all speaking in unison and having to get it all absolutely, you know, on point was uh, was a real challenge. So, but a good yeah. one. Yeah, but I, I just, if, just if I can just like uh, jump in quickly, it, it was definitely, I mean, I just wanted to reassure all the listeners that it wasn't, it wasn't only the cast members who were, you know, in front of a challenge. I felt at times also quite, you know, overwhelmed with, with that because you have to be really precise and you really have to deliver on it. But the moment you deliver on it, it really gives you goosebumps. I mean, I have goosebumps right now just remembering how how, how powerful and how strong those, you know, the scenes were where, where the entire chorus were either like whispering or, or just not shouting, but you know, Projecting loudly, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's something else that um, that was really interesting. The way we used our voices so differently. I mean, there were chunks that we were whispering, and then we had singing, and then talking in unison. But you know, making sure that you got the intonation right and the feeling into it. Mm. So. Yeah, and I think what you were saying about how the the mood of the chorus really does reflect what the the public at large is thinking and it's very very changeable and so it it sort of you needed to know the story and really know the play and know what was going on in every scene to be able to deliver those those reactions and to you know give your lines the sort of meaning that they deserved because it's very unusual that as a sort of chorus member you're on stage pretty much all the time always having to react to something and again, so lucky that the leads are played by people as talented as, as Katie and Chris, because you do just get sucked into their performances that it then amplifies your own performance so much. So it's it was great to be able to just play off someone who is really delivering it with such emotion that you can just tap into that and your reactions become a lot more natural than being forced. Um, so that was a really interesting aspect of it as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Gareth, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> does anybody else um, have anything to add to that? Katie, Chris? Well, I was just going to say that, it, I mean, it helps with those kind of scenes. You have that, they were almost like a, uh, a sense of foreboding, I suppose. You have that sense of being watched and you have that sense of reaction. You could feel... You could feel the emotion from the chorus when you were doing those scenes. So you could you kind of fed off that as well. So if you guys if you guys were thinking, oh no, I'm not interested or something like that, you could feel it when you were doing the when you were doing the acting. Um and it yeah, I mean, I don't know how you did it being on stage almost the entire play <laughs> and speaking in unison throughout. And I was thinking, oh my god, this is incredible. I just don't know how you managed it. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was an amazing, but the effect was fantastic. The effect was very much, yeah, the being watched side of it and this exposing side of it, I suppose, was definitely there because you all guys, you were yeah. all looking. Yeah. <laughs> but as Gareth said, it's being part of a team because you were doing, you, Chris and Beatrice, you're all doing your thing as the as the main roles. And so we were able to feed off that 
and deliver and then we delivered back to your emotion and so we're all it was just, just a whole team very, project we were all just very all emotional very happy emotionally <laughs> feeding off very each emotional. other <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this leads me very nicely into um having having those memories captured because um you know if you get a good photographer who captures somebody at the right time when they're pulling that face, Chris, <laughs> or when they're looking into the distance at Katie, looking beautiful. Um, yeah, it's... Thanks, Jackie. I'll pay you later. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it was all down to Angela. You know, she puts a filter on it. <laughs> well, she did on mine anyway. I'm not paying you now. <laughs> but yeah, so we have um, a photographer, Angela North, who has captured throughout many of the productions, actually, some fantastic pictures um, that... You know, obviously, you've got the memory there forever. So yeah, couldn't agree more. She's she's absolutely bloody brilliant. I think we're really lucky as well. I think we're really lucky to have somebody who can come and take photos. I mean, other productions, they'd get a photographer who would maybe come in to do some photos, but Angela will travel around with us, and she'll come to rehearsals. And she's fantastic. You just kind of, you know, she comes out with these brilliant shots and you think, I don't even remember doing that. I don't remember being there. When did that happen? And maybe, Katie, that, that, just, yeah. that's why it is, because she's actually spent so much of her time with the production and yeah. with the people that she's able to capture those, those moments. Because hmm. at times it can appear like she's almost psychic because you think, how did you know that that was the point at which to get ready to perfectly frame this shot of this emotional moment? Because you look at the mm. photos she takes and none of them seem sort of random. They always seem like they've captured a brilliant emotion, a brilliant moment, a brilliant bit of action somewhere. And yet yeah. they're not, oh, that's happening quick. I've got to go over to it and click. It, it's like she just knew it was coming up, had it in exactly the right place and framed it really nicely. But as you say, it's because she really is, you know, she comes to rehearsal, she gets to know the production so she knows which moments are coming up and can kind of be ready to know that's going to be a really good bit and you see that come through in the quality of the photos that she's then able to give us so it's just fantastic that we've got her able to do that and willing to put that level of effort into what could just be oh well it's just a photo it's not that it's so much more than that what she brings yeah definitely yeah, I think I think um, also the 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 thing that is really I mean, what Unbound uh, is lo very lucky with to have Angela on board as as a company's photographer is the fact that she already knows quite a lot of us who have been, um, you know, involved with Unbound projects from the start of Unbound from from the start of the Unbound history, you know, um, and that's also something that one needs to not forget because you know the the moment that you already start knowing the person and behind, um, uh, not behind, in front of the camera, um, you already know sort of how, I mean, you, you develop a sense to how to, to take the photos of those people, you know, um, and obviously everything that you've said is also very important, you know, especially coming to rehearsals, coming to the dress rehearsals and seeing a bit how things are working, who's who's where, when and how they're delivering stuff, you know. But also I think as a photographer, you also have to capture the essence of the person regardless of what character they are in, you know. And I think Angela has definitely developed over the years that sort of sense. And I think that it's absolutely incredible that she uh, what what she's doing what she managed to do I mean for most or most yeah for 
not much. Not all. All of my productions with Unbound, they, uh, she, she's been there. And I'm also, like, every time I'm looking at those photos, I'm like, my goodness, this, this is fantastic. You can, like, those snapshots, the snapshots. One comes to mind, B, of the dance where you were in... Um doing the ballet I think it was you or was it um it was Yana, Yana. It Yana. Was Yana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and in silhouette as well that that was just that was just beautiful mesmerizing yeah, yeah. exactly um looking at the time it's probably time to wrap things up um so maybe just to talk about a few of um a few other projects that people have been involved with I mean um Gareth anything spring to mind I think you've been involved in one or two unbound projects over the years <laughs> Yeah, a, a few old, a uh, few old Unbound projects. I mean, the standout of recent times has to have been the twenty-four hour show, which was just an, an amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sort of epic yeah. thing, you know, done at a very difficult time, but you know, done to success. I mean, one standout <clears throat> performance again, sort of um, coming from from B side of things that I wasn't really involved in was um, the production of Percy and Camille. Oh yes, um, which I thought was so interestingly staged and it was a, a piece written by joe pratt um and a really interesting piece as well i yeah loved coming to watch that and it was you know really again great to see b sort of directing style come to that where there was a lot of really interesting movement and uh obviously b you were playing a cat in it and <laughs> did a fantastic sort of version of playing that as a character that I would never have thought of to do but when I saw it I was like wow that really fits what this has been written as um, and then fits into the dynamic with Joe's character really well as well um, so that yeah was a, a really interesting performance for me. That's an original play and I think it's one that um, deserves to be promoted and played elsewhere as well I mean we, it was lucky that it was uh, seen at Unbound first of you know, first off, it had its premiere, but um, yeah, it's it's too good to to be in a drawer. And with what B did with the stage as well, I find that just mm. as fascinating because mm. you've just got a black box, and um, you know she divided it into different rooms. The imagination even took you down into a cellar room, um, using projection as well to show people in the cellar room. There was an awful lot going on in that production. Yeah. Good call, Gareth. It was an excellent production. Mm. I enjoyed that. Um, I think, I think one of my favorite ones. I mean, I've been I've been involved with quite a lot of uh, projects, um, unbound projects uh, from the start of it, and I, I absolutely loved being in them. But I think one that stands out for me is uh, Twelfth Night, where I um, managed. I, I <laughs> yes. I was playing Malvolio. <laughs> I mean, that was. I mean, you know, um, I. I think when I when I auditioned, I went I went in. I said either Malvolio or the the fool, you know. And I was sort of expecting to get the fool, and then I turned out to you know get Malvolio. But it was absolutely fantastic. I think that's where um, I met uh, Katie and Chris the first time, you know. Um, it was just such a joy to to do that play, and we were able to go out with it to uh, you know um, to perform it. A few times you know and it's so great to know that all the hard work that you put in like I think three months beforehand um, actually gets out and is shown more than two or three times you know so yeah I loved I loved I loved the content behind it and I loved just uh, being able to share the stage again with quite a lot of uh, actors who have been also in uh, in um, in Antigone yeah 
Yeah, a lot of talented actors there. Anthony and Cleopatra was also one of my favourites. So because I, I just thought the um, mm. the setting of that and the beginning where the the dramatic effect of those curtains that were savagely ripped down before the whole of the dramatic event started was um, it, it was the visually it was just so effective. I don't have like loads of standout moments there or, or, or reflections on like um, Unbound because I've only been in a couple. Twelfth Night was brilliant, love that. That was my first one, my little introduction to Unbound, and I actually um, uh, uh, loved that. I only came in as a like a substitute, so um, so that was cool, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And that was my first uh, introduction to Unbound. But so so uh, some standout things for me. If you want to whack this in there. Um, is uh, from Antigone uh, would be the, the, the and Gareth talked about it and so did Katie, um, was the, 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 the interaction between my character and the chorus and how well the chorus did it because we talked about how difficult it was for the chorus to all speak in unison uh, with the, the correct lines, the correct movement and the correct intonation and all that sort of stuff and, and Gareth very um, kindly said that, you know, about mine and Katie's performance and it was easy to, for, for the uh, chorus to respond because because of our performances being uh, what they were. But equally, I could say it the other way around. Um, you know, I, I, I felt quite often that my, um, how I portrayed Creon and his, his demise, his slow, staggered demise throughout the play was dictated uh, by how the chorus spoke to me uh, and how the chorus um interacted with me so so i can i can put that definitely back around the other side as well um and i think some of the chemistry that i had on stage with people people when they say chemistry with people on stage jump to a conclusion that it's romantic that's not always the case you can have chemistry with anyone and it can work it's basically if it works naturally and i really feel that um there are a couple of people that I had some really good chemistry with uh, one was katie which was handy because she was antigone <laughs> so it was useful um, uh, but another one was Lewis. Oh yes, uh, who played my son, and and that, and, and for me, the, 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 I was only in in, in a, a scene and a half or whatever with him. But there's one particular scene that I was in that would just just blew my mind every time I did it um, with him. Was brilliant, and then you know to cap it all, <clears throat> my favourite part, I genuinely think, was standing up and saying to his manie. We're not talking about her. She doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Chris, you're giving me goosebumps. <laughs> that was like I can only say that. Yeah, that that was such a that's like as you said, this chemistry. Like it was just like it came so naturally, you know. And woof, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's very few moments in an actor's life where you can actually feel the energy, where you just completely forget who you are as as a, as a normal person, you know, and you're like for. Very, very short second of your life you're like that person you're like going back thousands of years ago and playing that character you know you feel that person and it's just you know and it's just magical when it happens because it, it you know it takes two to do that <laughs> or more you know but yeah uh, also I mean Chris your like your uh play with with um with Lewis was I think one of my favorite ones, to be honest, in Antigone, because it was so raw, you know, it was so on it. You know, I do remember that we in, in, in the rehearsals, 
I've asked you to shout at each other as 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 loud yeah. as you can, you know, just to get out, of, did, yeah. you know, to get that rage out, you know. And I was, oh man, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> I was so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great production. Thank you, um, thank you to all of you for coming and sharing your thoughts and um, your stories about Antigone. And um, so that's B, Katie, Chris and Gareth. Thank you very much. And to all of you for listening in. Um, I hope it uh, means you're going to be looking out for an Antigone in the future. Um, so you can make your own minds up about it. And for more episodes of Tell Great Stories and lots of other great audio and video content, you need to head over to unboundtheatre.co.uk or you can look up at Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or SoundCloud. So thank you and good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.